Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With the new Chevy Silverado, you might be driving in this. But with the Silverado's redesigned interior and large infotainment screens, it'll feel more like this. Introducing the new 2022 Chevy Silverado. Find new upgrades. Find new roads. Chevrolet. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Waterball A podcast. My name is Gary and as always I am joined by Ant. How are you mate? You alright? Yeah mate, all good. Thanks very much. Good, good. Nice to have you back. Um, and today we are joined uh, first and foremost by uh, Jordan Nicholson returning back to the pod, um, a former coach of Durham City as well. How are you Jordan? You alright? Very well, Gary. Very well mate. Thanks for having us back. Hello Ant. Thanks, uh, thanks for having us back on this one. Really looking forward to this. Get, uh, get to the bottom of quite a good uh, good situation. Well, a good story, yeah? Yeah, definitely, definitely. And we're also joined by um, George Sims from Palatinus, um, publica- student publication. Um, how are you, George? You okay? Yeah, all good, all good. Pleased to be here. Thanks for having me on. No, no, definitely, definitely. Very interested in, obviously, what's going on with Durham City. So, George, obviously, you've been covering it quite a lot. Can you just give us... The background story of what's been going on. Obviously, Durham City is now owned by uh, Zenith Sports Entertainment Management. Um, can you tell us what's what's been happening? Yes. So, um, well, the, the club is technically still owned by Olivia Bernard. Who's ha- had it since 2013. Or, I mean, technically, it's owned by his wife. If you look at the um, company's house register, um, he switched that over in 2017, and no, no one's quite sure why. But um, yeah, in mid-December, um, he or Durham City officially announced that they had appointed um, Zenith Sports Event Management, uh, well, call themselves a global firm, to come and to come in and um, sort of immediately conduct repairs for the um, club. And they have apparently been trying to do that ever since, um, with what seems like limited success. I'm going to be honest with you. Um, obviously, for anyone that 
isn't familiar with the Durham City AFC story, they've been now at the bottom of the um, Northern League Division 2 for four years now and kept up by COVID and um, sort of leagues being ended ended early and other teams being liquidated, meaning they have stayed in the league and haven't, haven't won a game since April 2019. They've conceded 139 goals this season, 27 games, and it's basically just utter chaos uh. <laughs> yeah definitely it definitely sounds like it i mean obviously i've read the articles i've seen stuff on twitter um and it's it sounds pretty crazy i mean from what i see from zenith they don't really have any kind of like presence on the internet the only presence i can really see is on their linkedin profile and on twitter and from what I'm reading and what I'm seeing, that they're getting into slanging matches um, with with fans and people who follow the club. Well, yeah, absolutely. I think this is one of the the first things that sort of set alarm bells off for people. They, they've come in and um, a couple of, couple of sort of concerned fans asked, oh, "Hi guys, but who are you?" <laughs> and they went on the uber defensive and just kicked off left right and center ha- having a massive go at fans of the club and um i mean there uh, if, you, if you want to talk about uh, slanging matches having written my article last week i woke up yesterday morning to see that the um Zenith twitter page had um accused me of serious meth use <laughs> in, in an attempt to discredit me um they, they've said that uh, we know about your drug abuse um which is a common theme of all um, Durham students and um, student journalists. And um, yes, yeah, so that's that was an interesting uh, thing to wake up to, to be honest with you. Yeah, Jordan, um, yes. um, Jordan um, brought that to me, actually, um, this morning. He showed me it, and I was like, I sent it over to Ant, and I was like, that's insane. Um, obviously, we're on <laughs> Skype recording this, Jordan. I can see you've got your hand up. Um, what you look, uh, Do you want to just take yourself on mute? Yeah, um, cheers, George, uh, for that introduction. Obviously, like for anyone who doesn't know um, the the situation at Durham City AFC, it's it's been chaotic. And I mean, I haven't been involved with the club for about four years now, give or take. Um, previous to that, you know, prior to that, I was involved in a number of capacities. I was uh, a player in the youth setup. I was uh, playing in like the reserve team and I was also coaching the under 18s and the reserve team at one point um but just going to the whole thing with Zenith and to be honest George I thought your the pieces you did for Palatinate were absolutely spot on um you seem to be one of the only people that has had contact with Zenith in one form or another but to be honest I, th- I thought they're they're I mean getting away from the other slanging matches have been on, having on uh, Twitter with fans I'll get into that in a moment, but their their little hatchet job on you today or yesterday, whenever it was, I thought that was despicable. Um, you know, it's it's almost like the way it seems is they've got a bit of a for a supposedly global company, they've got one hell of a chip on the shoulder, and this is just my impression of them from Twitter, and I'm sure I'm not the only one that thinks this, but the fact that it's almost like having Donald Trump. <laughs> you know, back on Twitter, because it's any discerning voices against them. There's no real debate to be had as such with Zenith. And and that's with the best will in the world. People have actually asked genuine questions 
or have said, you know, what's the plan? What's happening at Durham? And immediately they get shot down or it's, oh, um, there's, you know, we know our plans to for a homecoming. And then someone dare ask, okay, what's what does that involve? You know, what's the time scale? Or even just saying things aren't quite right at the club at the moment, immediately they have an agenda against Zenith or, you know, that, that it's propaganda, it's lies. And it, honestly, it is. It's like Donald Trump running a sports management company. That's what it genuinely seems like. As I say, go no further than your, um, you know, the, the, the attack on you today. That that was just, just totally uncalled for. And I think it shows the mark of Zenith as a management well, company, if you like. I mean, George, I did hear a rumour as well. Please correct me if I'm wrong, because I wouldn't want to get things wrong, especially when we're discussing this sort of thing and we're trying to get to the bottom of the situation and get to the truth. But um, I did hear a rumour that after your interview with Zenith, um, I forgot the uh, gentleman's name. Um, his surname's Tanner. Uh, yeah, did he Tanner. actually offer... Yeah, Chris, did he offer you a, a job as media Um manager or, or something along those lines well, yeah that was actually that that wasn't even halfway down the line i had spoken i initially reached out to him for comment maybe a month ago when someone first raised this story to me and said could like you looked into the club before who the hell are these guys um so i, I dropped a message and said like are you willing to comment on what the firm's done before and what your role is at durham city afc and I've spoken to him for maybe a couple of minutes and it was all this sort of bluster and bravado of, oh, yeah, yeah, no, never been better at the club. Yeah, we had some we had some people um, that weren't on board with the um, with where we were going. And so they've left and we've replaced them with great people who are acting as if they had this whole new board in place overnight. And then 30 seconds later, out the blue, just messaged me, you want a job? I said, uh, what what job would that be? Do you want to be media manager? <laughs> and I said, um, well, I'm a bit busy at the moment with uni work. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's obviously taken on the role as media manager now himself because you can see exactly the same sort of yeah, style. I'd, I'd noticed, I, yeah, I've noticed the uh, the attacks are now coming from Zenith and um, Durham mm-hmm. City's official Twitter account, which again, if you're trying to you know, kind of keep the, the, the professionalism at the club and raise the profile. The last thing you want to be doing is getting in slang matches from the... I mean, you don't want to be doing it anyway, but if you are going to do it, don't do it from the club's official Twitter account, you know, and alienate further people when... I mean, I think the last the last game they had at home, again, I could have the actual figure wrong, but I'm sure it was under 30 fans they had there. Um, yeah, 27 at Easington College. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. As I said, I mean, to be honest, I'm surprised Easington didn't bring more more of their fans across because they're, they're doing quite well from from what I understand. But as I say, it's, that's that's by the by. But what I mean is that's, you know, when you've got 27 people turning up to your games anyway, the last thing you want to be doing is alienating people who are genuinely just concerned about their club. You know, this is a this is a team that have, have stood about 104 years, I think it is now. So 2018 was the, the centenary. Now, granted, they've never been... You know, a powerhouse of the northeast uh, football, but you, you do think to, you know, for a non-league team to be in in business for a hundred years, that's that's some going. You know, the way you see clubs falling every now and then, you know, left, right, and centre over the last few years for for one reason or another. It's it really is an impressive thing, but it almost looks like the hundred years of tradition and sort of being the the club for for the people of Durham. It's it's almost been 
you know, obliterated in the last decade. I mean, granted, there was, you know, um, I'm sure you're already aware of it, George, but uh, Gary and you know the situation where the sponsors pulled out uh, when we got to the Northern Premier League, I believe it was. Uh, excuse me, I believe it was. Um, the FA carefully stitched uh, Durham up because they were playing at New Ferns Park and had just had an artificial pitch laid. The FA rules stated that um, they couldn't progress any further because of the pitch, meaning the sponsors pulled out and you know all of the players on big money left, which you can't blame them. Um, so that was where the, the turmoil really started for Durham. But from there, it, it's almost just been a case of limping from one disaster or crisis to another, which, again, it's sad to see a club of Durham's reputation and of Durham's, you know, stature to be in, in such a just dire straits at the moment. Yeah, no, I 100% agree with you there as well. I mean, like I said, when I was reading it, I was like, whoa, what's going on here? I mean, and I'm, I'm going to bring you in here. Um, earlier on, uh, beginning of the year, obviously, we had a conversation about the, the current United ladies team, which is in ways has similarities to what's going on right now. Mm-hmm. Um, from a completely neutral perspective, not involved in Durham City, I mean, when I sent over the articles, which Jordan sent us, I mean, what were your first thoughts about it? <laughs> well, it's 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 a it's a situ- it's a weird situation, isn't it? Where it just looks as if this Zenith just just using Durham as a little toy player thing, you know. Look, we sponsor a, one of the oldest non-league clubs in the country. You know what I mean? That's that's what that's the way I see it. I mean, for them to you know to really like kind of. You know, vilify George is is mental. You know, it's it's like it's basically what 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 it's kind of it's it's it, it is if William Story took over Sunderland. This is this is what's going to happen, Sunderland fans. If you want William Story in charge, this is what's going to happen because it's just a charlatan being a charlatan. To be totally honest with you, what really does confuse guys, and I'm going to ask ask you both this: like, I, I follow women's football quite a lot. You know, I'm massively in the Sunderland ladies, and um, seeing Durham ladies team. Who are really, really good, you know, don't get it, you know, really well established club now, um, well run, the social media is superb. And then you're looking at Durham, Durham FC men's side. I know that there's no kind of link between the two, they're not joint on anything like that, but surely, you know, when you're saying that the ladies side doing something like, like that's really, really good, then the men's side kind of falling by the wayside and haven't won a game for nearly four years. It's, it's, it's really worrying, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I, um, cover Durham women quite a lot. I was there for their um, game against Birmingham at the weekend, obviously. They really should have beaten a uh, Super League side. They're doing brilliantly. Getting hundreds and hundreds of fans for every game. Obviously, got over a thousand at um, United earlier in the season. Mm -hmm. And um, Durham City can't get more than, like, 25-30. I think, I mean, there's always the appeal that Durham women are playing better football. They are at a higher level, and, um, and and that obviously attracts people. But it shows that there is such a market for football in Durham still. There's such a gap in the market that people want to spend their weekends watching football in Durham. Mm-hmm. And But no one wants to get involved in Durham City at the moment when they have... Um, they can't win a game. The atmosphere is terrible. They're losing... They're, I mean, they're losing basically anyone who's ever really cared about the club because if they've been involved in the committee recently or as volunteers, they've now been forced out. Mm-hmm. And um, 
they can't get back in the um can't get back into Durham into someone like New Ferrans Park or players like Maiden Castle they just don't have the money because uh, Olivia Bernard isn't putting it in mm. um I mean Zenith uh, as far as I understand aren't being paid to um do their work at Durham which I mean is really a mark of quite how ridiculous a company it is mm. and I don't think they really are doing any work if I'm being completely honest Chris Tanner tried to tell me that he was in his uh, virtual office for Durham City AFC for sort of six to eight hours a day. But as far as I've seen, there's still just Lawrence Appleby, the new sec- secretary, working at the club over here. They signed a couple of players that were there last year who, um, who, I mean, they lost all their games they played for. As I'm sure they're all perfectly decent lads, but <laughs> they still um, aren't quite the calibre of player that are going to, get Durham out of the rut they're in and um, he, he talks about all these sort of brilliant sports marketing strategies but it's all just bluster none of it's not it's really the only sponsor I think the club still really has is um, Durham Gin Distillery who was a sponsor at the beginning of the season has just continued being so they haven't brought anything else in they haven't achieved anything I think really they uh, well, so there seems to be to sort of move off track slightly, there seems to be a, a trend with Zenith moving back over the last 15, 20 years of occasionally going into companies and then leaving within a year or two years, having done very little to nothing. Um, and I, I think that might be what happens here is they've managed to persuade Olivier in some way to give them control of the club and they don't really have to do anything or i mean chris tanner is the only real sort of active member i think alongside jeff johnston based in um indianapolis of zenith i think he's sort of sits in his office swanning around i I really don't know how he makes any money out of what he does um i'm very interested to find out basically Yeah, definitely i mean uh, what what ant's point was there jordan uh, what would you like to add to that yeah, I mean, it's it's a very good point, to be honest, and, and I was down at uh, Durham Women's Game against uh, Birmingham the other day. Cracking atmosphere, real, I mean, they got beat, probably should have won, and I don't think even Birmingham City fans would uh, deny that. Uh, played some really good football, but it does seem like a real community field. Do you remember last time I was on the pod and we talked about how grassroots football is so important for the community? Mm-hmm. That's pretty much the feel you get with Durham Women, so it's, it's the complete... You know, antithesis of what Durham City AFC men's team are at the moment. Uh, from what I've heard again, this was, these were kind of rumours from when I was in the club. Um, they did uh, approach Maiden Castle apparently, uh, or they may have even approached uh, Durham Women or Team Durham as some sort of a, a joint venture. And they were, <laughs> I, th- I think, uh, the latter, Team Durham slash Durham were pretty much warned off um, because of. The, the the lack of vision and the lack of structure at the club, um, which again you can't you can't blame it. You don't want to be associated with something that is. And in fairness to Zenith, this is before they even came in, so this isn't something that you know is the public image. This is just, I think they could see how things were going. There was no real attempts been made to bring Durham back to the city centre except for the link with, you know, the let's call it an ambitious link. You know, because Durham women at the time, if it was them that were approached, were very uh, well-established team in the local area. Uh, team Durham, 
one of and Durham University that is um, one of the best I think in the top three uh, universities for uh, team sports in the UK at the moment I'm sure George will correct me if I'm wrong on that um, right. yeah so I, I mean I can fully understand why team Durham Durham University Maiden Castle would not want to touch Durham City FC with a barge pole even a few years ago one thing I would say and it's been ticking over in my mind I mean I've, I've been checking Twitter um, you know over the last few months and just keeping an eye on Durham City despite not being there you know Gary and spoke about it last time I'm now with Washington United which funny enough is pretty much part of the old Durham City's reserve team you know the, the lads there in the structure said it's a bit of a you know there's a seal in it where we can't break through because of what's above us as in the, the club as a whole so they took the team away to uh, Washington United and all of the plans they've got there and funny enough we could be playing in the same division as uh, Durham City AFC next season and it's our first season you know I think that should um that shows the levels of, of how far Durham City's fallen. That's not a, a you know, look at Washington, we're brilliant. That is just a case of Durham City are falling that far that teams that have only been established two, three years, Durham United, sorry, Durham Corinthians, formerly Durham United, I've had um, dealings with them on the pitch as a player where there was a bit of, you know, rivalry and grudge and that, but credit to them. And, and I do quite like a lot of the lads they've got playing for them. Um Credit to them, the way they've gone about things, they they saw the gap in the market and they've gone for us, you know. Um, but what I would say, it has been ticking over in my mind a few few times over the last few months, is whether it either needs a Phoenix club, if uh, Olivia Bernard, who I will put on record, when you're speaking to him as a person about football, absolutely, you know, sound bloke, no real problems with him, but his ownership, his premiership of the club has left a lot to be desired that's what I will say as I say personally I did like Ollie when I worked under him um, and you know when he was about the club he's a decent guy he came in with the right intentions in 2013 wanted it to be a feeder club but certain things happened and we, we all know where we are now so as I say this isn't a knock on Ollie as a person it's just his management of the club um, as the chairman owner whatever you know his official position is now uh, but yeah, if if Olivia Bernard's not going to sell uh, or you know relinquishes uh, control of the club, it needs to have a Phoenix club. Now, in my opinion, the market is still there for a team in Durham to you know call themselves Durham's club. Yes, Durham Corinthians, Durham United, and FC Durham, uh, the ones I'm aware of, and also Belmont United, another good local club that's only set up a year ago, and already they're looking. You know, the second side's quite hard. I spoke to um, Steve Turnbull, the, the uh, manager of the first team there the other week, and the plans he's got for that club are really, really ambitious, but I think they can do it because I've seen the, the groundwork they've got. I do think the only way that you're going to get a team off the ground in Durham now is linking with um, Team Durham with Durham University and playing out of Maiden Castle because you've already got all the facilities set up. And I honestly don't think it would take that much work because I know there's a lot of people in Durham who still care about Durham City. Whether it's Durham City in its current form or not, they care about football in Durham. They care about the local community. So I honestly think if you had a setup, uh, this is hypothetically here, so say the sponsors who were kicking about long ago when we were in Northern Premier League, if they funded or backed 
any new team that was to take over or be a Phoenix club of Durham City AFC, I honestly think within five years they could be at the level that Durham are at now, league-wise, not you know, not uh, financially and um, on social media and things. I mean, I genuinely think because with that ambition, it will bring interest. Like I, I know. If, there was one of the best teams of the last five years I've seen for Durham as I say I've played and managed the reserve team at this time um, Ollie Hodgkiss I think he's now at Horden CW um, absolutely phenomenal bloke loves his football and he was manager of Durham City's first team at the time he instilled such a good feeling around the club that you genuinely thought they might be getting back on track here he had a, a bunch of lads that were and again, I'm not in this pod. I am not going to say a bad word about any player who's played for Durham City FC because to do so, especially in the in the recent times, again, that a few of the lads who I played with in the reserves, they've just gone back. Good luck to them, and I know I know of a few more who I, I kind of follow on social media and things and speak to now and then. Absolutely cracking lads, and I wish them all the best. I really do. I want to see them do well in the football careers, whether with Durham or or you know once they leave. But uh, yeah, Ollie had a bunch of lads that were just playing for for them, you know, for each other and for him and for the club. They weren't even getting paid, and some of these players have gone on to very reputable clubs and very good positions. I'm, I'm sure they're now being paid, you know, three figures a week. So you're in hundreds and stuff. Absolutely brilliant lads, the kid. And that if they'd been retained, you genuinely thought there was a bit of momentum there because of the good feeling around the club and because of the way. Olivier had had the team playing and that, that real team ethos was just phenomenal it was great to be around but it just looks I think if you've got even the slightest bit of ambition a bit of positivity around any kind of Phoenix club it would be superb for the city of Durham the county you'd have so much just energy about the place especially if there is a link with um, Maidencastle slash uh, Durham University in, in some form because again George please correct me if I'm wrong um, I'm sure Durham women have had a link with uh, Team Durham because I, I think they had a few uh, players from the Durham uh, Durham University uh, women were actually playing for Durham women uh, kind of as a joint sort of venture weren't they or, or was yeah, that kind no, of after they graduated yeah, but again uh, that, that's, yeah. that's the platform they've got so you know look, look at where they are now and that's just from from having successful links and successful facility, you know, really good facilities down at Maiden Castle for team from Team Durham. The the potential is there. It it just needs someone to kind of snap this sort of real doom and gloom and toxicity that there is at the club, or form a Phoenix club with the links with Maiden Castle, Team Durham, Durham University, and and I think it could be a thriving club. It really could. No, I mean, I mean, John, you made a very, very good statement there. I mean, and is there anything you want to add to that with it being your question? No, no, it's just like, like I say, I, I totally agree. It should be all one, shouldn't it? You know, you go through, obviously, you know, like Durham's never going to be like, you know, the likes of Southern and Newcastle, but as well, we say that around where, where the women's team is part of, you know, the clubs, where saying that Sunderland's for a while wasn't. But it's never going to be, you know, this, this you know, big kind of, you know, co- you know, company kind of thing where they're all playing from the same one. But if, like, like what uh, John said there, Phoenix. 
starting a club there where they all play out of one would would be phenomenal, you know. And 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 as you just said there, you know, the, the university students, it's going to be some university students who could be who are bloody good footballers who Durham City could look at and and say, look, we'll have you for what two, three, yeah, you know. The, the ladies have done exactly the same, you know. I, I'll mention Iris uh, Iris Hatchetoff, who, you know, a Dutch girl who came over and um, I mean she did a knee and bless her, um, not long into her Durham career. Um, ended up going to Sunderland to kind of decide if football wasn't for her and she's now retired, but she was a lovely player. You know, like really, really good player. So it, it's there to, to be able to do and it's something really that should be tapped into, I think. Um, especially when, you know, like Durham University, it's it's one of the, the top universities in the country and you're seeing the side, you know, there, there could be the, you know, could be some students who could really, really help it out. And, um, you know, you're seeing a team who's not won for four years and, and they've tried everything, you know, what Jordan's saying there, there's, there's still some good people in the club. They're, they're trying everything, you know, maybe that's something they can, they can tap into, I think. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you as well. Um, I just want to ask you, George, um, the next question. Jordan touched on it earlier on about um, volunteers and, you know, people who've contributed to the club. A statement that was made by the Zenith president, Chris Tanner, was that the outgoing volunteers were troublemaking gossipers with bruised egos and bitter fools. Where do you think that came from? Why do you think he, he came out with that? Well, I, th- I think it is an attempt from him to just generally discredit them and to... Because um, obviously, I, th- I, th- I mean, it's, in a way, it's retaliatory that, that I think a lot of the former committee members are quite publicly saying don't get involved with the club yeah. like this. It, it's not a good atmosphere and um, we don't quite trust this Chris Tanner guy because um, the, the, the guys I've spoken to have um, yeah, very, very much said that, said that it was a um, pretty toxic atmosphere. I mean, I know they made public a- accusations of financial mismanagement against a former treasurer that they pretty quickly had to rescind because obviously that's a serious accusation to make with and it was absolutely baseless and also um they've 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 been pretty rude and um accusatory about fred usher who was secretary of the club and was involved in the club for a long time i mean i've seen an email that um tanner sent to the league about fred usher and it's really just unnecessarily horrible and suggesting that he has been involved in financial mismanagement in the club and that's not the case at all i mean tan has come in and said that people have he thinks people within the club have been cooking the books and that's not the case at all i mean i think any um from what i understand any sort of discrepancies are because the volunteers are putting their own money into the club to keep it running because it's so little there otherwise um there's really nothing in the club to um sort of mismanage anyway um oh yeah someone someone said to me i haven't had it entirely verified but aside from the sort of the money that the club needs to pay for their for the ground and for a couple of other things they had the sort of separate pot when um um, within about a month it went from um being a hundred quid to pay a few red card fines, then it was a fiver in December. They, they really have absolutely no money. Um, and uh, um, as you say, Jordan, I've, I've only heard from people that Olivia Bernard's a lovely guy, but he's just sort of stepped away from the club completely. And Zenith 
aren't bringing any money into it. So that's the one thing the club really needs. Like it would be, I, I agree with Jordan. I think a Phoenix club's a brilliant idea. Um, but the one thing that club would need is money and financial backing somewhere. Mm. Um, because for all Chris Tanner saying, oh, we're going to be heading back to New Ferens Park in no time. Um, I, I've been led to believe that it would cost pretty much double what Durham City are already currently struggling to pay at Willington to move back to, to New Ferens Park. Um, and so, yeah, there's just, um, there's just no money there. And the um, committee members um, sort of had done everything they could to stay with the club, but you can't stay when you're being accused of things you haven't done in a toxic environment, uh, which is why it's now just left with Chris Tanner as official club director and media manager and um, Lawrence Appleby as secretary, who I think is a, a guy who has he's worked at the club before and has worked with um, Olivia Bernard. Uh, I don't, not so I know much about and wouldn't want to suggest anything. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's, um, with, with the whole committee, it's just been a very... Um, I think they all left very quickly as soon as they started dealing with Tanner and as soon as um, they sort of found out what he was like, I guess. Yeah, I mean, the statement that's on the actual Durham City AFC website is insane. I mean, I I'm going to read it. Uh, Zenith assumed control of all aspects of the management of the club with the then help of chairperson Paul Trotter and some of his board. Other members of the board have done nothing but cause trouble, spread lies and try to engage in social media wars where the eventual facts have diminished their activity. Jealousy? Who knows? But we'll answer the facts with positive and positive actions and the odd return serve. Zenith does not have to prove themselves to anyone behind an anonymous handle or a keyboard, but will not stand for defamatory statement and mistruths about the business and the club. Our track record our track record in our industry is solid and the club owner has done his due diligence and we're just getting on with the job at hand. That is insane for any club to put that on their website. Oh, absolutely. And it's just, I mean, yeah, the, the fact they have they feel they have to put it up speaks for itself. I mean, I've heard so many times this, this line that the club owner did his due diligence, but he, he, he clearly didn't. Um, I mean, you talk about Zenith's track record, it's pretty much non-existent. Even having asked, even having asked Chris Tanner for specifics, um, the, the specifics he gave me were three things with three minor jobs he personally had had in the 90s and one failed attempt to at build uh, um setting up a, a franchise in the afl um about 10 12 years ago um so there's really nothing of any substance there um which is why people are asking questions as they should why fans that are concerned are trying to help their club and they're just being completely shut out and insulted I mean, I'm totally, totally in agreement with you. I mean, when I was reading half of the stuff that's came out, it's it's fascinating, and especially the the social media. A lot of people are driven towards Twitter for you know for for stuff that they want to find. That uh, hashtags very important, and just literally laying into people over over Twitter. I mean, obviously, I've seen that there's the Save Durham City Twitter out there, and then there's Durham City, and it's literally like it's insane the way like and that article that was released where. It was on about on about uh, the pub like the newspaper was crazy, absolutely crazy. I mean, it's an it's a very intriguing read, um, but 
I don't what I don't understand is with Chris Tanner and any kind of owner of any potential football club you are going to be asked questions about where the funds are going to come from because nothing's free and Durham City has been run on zero budget for pretty much a long long time the base at the other side of the world in Sydney how how can you how can someone run a club from Sydney that I, I don't understand it I, I I mean I don't really either to be honest um I I know he at least claims to have adjusted his living hours to a certain uh, to a certain degree in Sydney but it's an 11 hour time difference um and so I I it is just it, it, the only people I, I'm aware from Zenith that have had um, an active involvement in the club are Tanner, who's based in Sydney, and Jeff Johnston, who's the company VP, who's in Indianapolis, which I, I think is about 11 hours behind and five hour, five or six hours ahead of where we currently are. Um, how you can do anything with that time, time difference or distance, I have absolutely no idea um i think basically he probably just pops up occasionally when it's um when people ask him questions and i mean anyone that looks at their social media sees that he basically is someone to spend his whole life on twitter facebook and instagram just resharing things um it's it's just ridiculous um, i don't know whoever thought that putting uh putting them in charge would be sensible but you assume that Olivia Bernard was told that this is a global firm that operates 24 hours a day across different time zones when actually it's Chris Tanner working out of his house in Sydney, which is the only place the company is actually registered to anywhere in the world. It doesn't have an, it doesn't even have an office. Um, he claims to go to Dubai. I mean, a going to Dubai is expensive. I don't know where he's getting any money from. And, um, it's just, yeah, I just don't get it. I really, there's still, I, I mean, I, I spent a month looking up, like working on this story, investigating every avenue I could. And there's still so many unanswered questions about what Zenith Sports Event Management are or claim to be. I think, um, sorry for interrupting there, Gabby, I think um, what it needs, the whole fit proper persons tests you know even though uh, even though i know i would say in the afls is pretty much not worth the paper it's written on you know you see you know the derby owners and um stuart donald for instance but surely if, if you know some kind of legislation needs to come in for not for you know northern league and non-league where this cannot happen again because it's it's gonna where it has crippled what you know is is a a national, well, not a national, like a regional treasure, really. You know what I mean? It's a big, big club. You know, in in the city of Durham, and it's it's mental. It's 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 when you look, when you read it, you kind of think, is this this is like a film thing? It's like you know that um, music festival that got it's been on Netflix. I've got um, advertised. It's like, oh, come here, you're gonna have the best of time. This, that, and the other, and nothing happened. You know, it's it's that like kind of like something like that, isn't it? It's like watching a documentary on on Netflix. I think that this isn't real. And, and it is, it's, it's crazy, it really is. Close to, someone until I die, Mark II. That's what, oh, that's what it is. It's just, just <laughs> constant torture. That's all yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, just a, co a couple from me, though, uh, Gary and Ant, uh, 
sorry to like kind of no, but just fine. going back to a few things you said you said there Gary and that you said George um so the statement first of all uh I echo George's sentiments that if they've got to put that out that you know that is speaks for itself really I also think it's it's quite ironic that I think they've they've contradicted just about everything they've said in that statement by the you know um we we won't uh take pot shots to anonymous people or blah 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 you know um we don't have to prove ourselves well you kind of have to um you know because people are genuinely concerned for their club their their local community club is in absolute ruin at the moment another thing just about the uh, george what you were saying about the uh, the a league franchise that they try to set up i haven't really looked into this too much i'm just going off your article so you know um and again please correct me if i've if i've misunderstood or got this wrong but it seems as though uh, this Chris Tanner, again, I've, I've never met the bloke. I, I don't want to sort of put a guy down um, without meeting him, without speaking to him or anything like that, but just the impression I get offline, right? So he seems like, or Zenith, uh, their, their official Twitter, It's it almost looks like a spurned lover, right? Because any anyone who's kind of spurned them in the past, so the AFL, the Australian Football League, they seem very negative about certain people there that is obviously on the back of their failed venture to create the um what was it sydney wanderers and western sydney wanderers kind of came along a few years later so clearly he's got a bit of a, a chip on his shoulder about that palatinus have done two pieces which i thought were very well balanced you know that just going on pure facts but then he comes out and says this is wrong this is wrong it's an agenda it's lies it's drivel and then he calls on personal attacks against the journalists who wrote it uh, again george uh, i'll put on record that was disgusting the way he's kind of tried to attack you and and you know sort of <laughs> almost diminish what you've wrote about him by taking a personal attack that's just uh, you know um again anyone who kind of speaks out the save durham durham city afc twitter account uh, personally I don't know who's behind it they make some good points and they, they if anyone hasn't seen it I would go on Save Durham City FC on Twitter because they track all the way back from you know when when the problems first started and they give a whole timeline of events um, but again any, any message that they put on blocked or straight away there was I, I saw something the other day there's a fan who has been following Durham since the 80s since he moved to the region and he addressed concerns there was nothing in there that was a personal attack at zenith or anything like that they just said what is happening with this can we have some details and they said ah another person we have to block and i thought that that's someone who's followed the club for coming up you know 40 years now so that's part of 30 something years and they're just blocking him because he dare ask the question now this doesn't seem like a you know, a global sports management company that have got a reputation of being this powerhouse of turning things around or really success stories. You know, this this seems like a, a, a bit of an insecure um, person. As I say, I don't want to really slam Chris Tanner because I don't know the guy personally, but the impression he gives off as as Zenith and as himself on, on Twitter doesn't seem like the kind of guy you want running a football club. I mean, again, Gary, you said about... Um, how can you run a football club when you've got a time difference of 11 hours one way and six the other? That would be a, quite a task to do, even if you were doing it at a professional club. To do it at a, I mean, 
an amateur club really is it, 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 it's impossible surely fair play if, if Chris Tanner has changed his life you know to, to be up with our time zone brilliant fair play to the guy but I'm not really sure what benefits any of the bring. I think that's the main thing that people are a bit concerned about. No one can really see the benefit that Zenith are bringing to Durham City. And even with this, we're planning to come home to Ferrens Park. There's no real concrete plan as to how that's going to happen. As you said before, George, they're going to be paying double of what they're struggling to pay at Willing. Now, I'm sorry, but unless they've got something in the pipeline that they need to keep secret or need to keep under wraps, then... Uh, Realistically, how is that possible? And Gary, uh, Gary and Ant, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm kind of suggesting something here, but just so you don't get one side of the argument, I think it would be would be worth getting um, Zenith on if if we, you know, if you if you can for you, for an episode, just so it's not all one sided. From myself and George, we've obviously got very similar standpoints and viewpoints on this because I'm passionate about the club. I followed them home and away for a good few years um, when I wasn't playing. I used to be ball boy, you know, all this kind of stuff. George is obviously a Durham, Durham student for the Durham publication, the Platinus, and he obviously cares about the club as well because he spent a lot of time, you know, reviewing, researching and, and doing these articles. So we're coming from this point of asking the almost like anti-Zenith, I suppose, if you want to, if you want to call it that. Chris Tanner might call it something far stronger, but, you know, we're on the side of what is happening. It might be worth getting uh, Chris Tanner on. Uh, I do believe um, really good local um, grassroots football journalist, Mark Carruthers, I do believe he's looking into what the situation is. So, um, again, Mark might be a great guy to have on if you do manage to get Chris, because I, sh- I-, I dare bet someone as reputable as, as um, Mark will not have any kind of you know dissent against him, as in is well-liked, is well-respected in the area, and he will be able to keep a, a very neutral um, opinion on the whole thing. So that'll be that'll be quite, you know, quite an interesting one if you've got those two in the same virtual room, shall we say. <laughs> Might be on different time zones, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you're right, you are right. I mean, we have approached Mark as well to see if we could have got him on tonight, but he still is trying to get to the bottom of everything that is going on at the moment. And to be honest with you, George, um, your articles as well, when I've read them, I, I think they're so detailed and the, the information which you put into them is absolutely brilliant. Um, and it's just crazy to think what is actually going on in, well, mine and local, like where from Durham. So, you know, it's crazy to think what's actually going on. But um, just one last question, obviously, to, to end the podcast before we go on to... Baller and Ballake, and this one's for you, George. I mean, where do you where do you see this going in the coming months? I mean, do you think Durham City will cease to exist very soon? Do you think it's just going to get worse on social media with with all the, the you know the 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 kind of abuse factors that are coming from it right now? Um. Well, I mean, if you look at their, if you look at the just purely on the pitch. It looks like they're absolutely guaranteed to be relegated to the Wearside League, which is pretty catastrophic to fall outside of the National League structure. Um, and from there, unless unless they do actually find the money and find a way of getting to New Ferrens Park and get a, 
basically completely fresh fan base into the club very quickly, there are only going to be less and less fans, sorry, fewer fans going to the games. And that is then, how low can you go from 27 when a lot of those are the opposition fans anyway? I mean, there's every chance that less than 10 people at that game supporting Durham City. Like, if they if they block a couple more people or um, offend a couple more people, they have no fans left. And then there really is no point keeping the club running. Um, and so, yeah, I, I really um, don't see a way of the club surviving past relegation at this point. And more than anything, I don't, I'm not sure I see what the point of them staying, um, staying functioning past that is. Um, if there's no fans left. Yeah, no, I'm totally I'm in agreement with you as well. Jordan, you've got your hand up. He's trying to come off mute. Sorry, guys, yeah, my, yeah, my mic was uh, playing up there. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm fully in agreement with uh, with George. You know, there's, there's, there's no real... Uh, I don't want to say there's no point to a club, but uh, at the Northern League, and then if you go down to the Wayside League, I'm... Um, you know, I'm involved in the club in the Wayside League at the moment, and that is a very, very competitive league. You know, I think unless something changed structure-wise and you know behind the scenes, I don't think I could say anything but another struggle in the Wayside First Division, which again for, for a club of Durham City's stature and reputation and size is just unthinkable. You know, because then if they do go down there. I've I've been to scout a few games recently in the um, in the second division, and that's another very tough league to get out of. You know that that is a very very difficult league to get out of. Um, so yeah, it's it, I genuinely don't see anything other than what George predicts there, which is it, it, it's heartbreaking to say that. As I said, I've I've followed the club for quite a few years. They they were playing pretty much on my doorstep at New Ferns Park. Um, I followed them away. You know some of the uh, highlights in a very low season when. We were playing, you know, uh, students from the local sixth form. One of the best footballing days I've ever had has been following Durham City to uh, FC United of Manchester, you know, when they were playing at uh, Bury, Bury FC's Gig Lane. We won 2-1. We hadn't won a game all season. And we somehow go to one of the biggest, most established clubs in the Northern Premier League at the time, and we get a win somehow. You know, it's there was fun. 20 of us went down and honestly that that was one of the best memories I've got as a, as a fan of any club you know Sunderland or Durham City and it's just sad to think that that's you know how far we've fallen from that I'm not saying that's where we deserve to be but you know we shouldn't be in the position we are and I say we because I still am a supporter of the club despite the the negativity and the toxicity around the club at the moment it's it, it's still always going to be close to your heart I mean, what I will do, Gary, as well, and and um, going to be a bit of a plug here, but if you know, if there was serious interest from local businesses or anyone listening to this who thinks a Phoenix club is something they'd want to get involved with, please just uh, you know get in touch with uh, well, Gary, and I'm going to say the podcast, and you can pass <laughs> it on to me or directly to me on uh, Instagram. I would be more than happy to to kind of try and facilitate something and, and work something for a Phoenix club if there was enough interest. Because generally, it, it is something I feel quite strongly about, that if Durham City is to cease to exist, th- there can't be this gap, but no disrespect to any of the clubs currently in the Wayside League, but Durham needs 
eight big, t- you know, eight team in the Northern League, and I, I, I think that the, the gap is there. As I say, the, there's a lot of businesses around that I'm sure would love to have their name associated to a Northern League club that is on sound, you know, financial footing and with an actual ambition and future. So, you know, which again, at the, as George says, we can't really see that for Durham at the moment. The, the budget thing was an eye-opener for me as well. I didn't know that. Uh, what you mentioned earlier, George, about going from £100 to £5 in, what was it, a matter of months or weeks or something? That was that was quite frightening. Um, I heard from a former player as well. Again, this is unverified, so uh, I'm, I'm happy to be corrected on this. But I did hear that the club is in a severe amount of debt um, from a former player. Again, that was in reply to something from uh, CF Durham City FC on Twitter. That was quite alarming when you've got a Northern League club with no real overheads bar, you know, because they're not paying the players. They're not, um, you know, there there is no real assets to speak of. And they're they're in a fair bit of debt. Again, I'm I'm happy to be corrected on that that if that's no longer the case. But that was from a former player who was involved with the club for quite a while. That's frightening, if that is true. Um, you know, as I say, I would like to to hear from uh, Mark Carruthers as a as a neutral to see what he finds. It may not be as bad as we're we're painting it. I'd like to hear from Chris Tanner. Um, you know, to see what what his view on it is. Uh, I mean, no doubt that uh, I'll be called uh, God knows what <laughs> on Twitter now from uh, from Zenith, and George will get even more abuse than he's already had from, from Zenith. But, um, you know, I think it's... It, as a journalist, uh, George, you you must know, if you're getting insulted personally, you're probably along the right lines of the truth. That's, <laughs> you what, know, that's, that's what I like to think, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that's what I, I think as well, though, um, George, if you're getting, you know, touted out as a, as a, as a drug user, this, that, and that, that's, you know, defamation of character. So I'm, I think you're well within your rights to, to, to seek legal advice on that, to be honest. So, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that's... Uh, football owners, eh? It's a very, um, <laughs> it's a very interesting story, obviously. I can see it con- constantly developing. Um, which we'll we'll definitely continue to follow, and you know, if if Zenith or Chris Tanner wants to, you know, come on a podcast and share his view, no more than happy to um have that conversation. I mean, it might be about four o'clock in the morning for us, maybe, but um, if if he wants that, that's that's absolutely fine. I mean, we'll we'll move on, and uh, we'll we'll go on to our uh, baller and ball ache of the week. So baller and the ball ache of the week is just someone that stood out. Um, the week over the week, and someone who hasn't stood out, um, over the week. I mean, I'm going to start with you, Jordan, for this one. Right, uh, ooh, baller. I think um, baller of the week for me. One of the best gestures of the weekend was uh, at Everton, where Everton played City and uh, Alexander Sinchenko and the, I forgot the name of the uh, Ukrainian lad that plays for Everton. Mikalenko, um, yeah, yeah that, that's the one. Um, their embrace, you know, you could see it was very emotional for both of them. I just think to to turn out for your team in such a, a heartbreaking situation, it must be very difficult for them to even, you know, go to training, let alone play games. But I think the support they received and the, you know, the, the, the mental toughness they've shown has to be commended, you know, to, to be able to, Put on a shirt and, and try and do your job in that in that situation. 
Yeah, no, totally. I mean, Fernandino gave the captain's arm banter Zinchenko as well yesterday when they played Peterborough as well. Again, great gesture. It's it's great to see like you know Wembley lit up with the with the Ukraine flag, um, and you know on the screens we are with Ukraine in every stadium. Um, the the support like the outpouring. It's just it's brilliant to see it. It it's like they're in. What's going on is absolutely horrible. It's in from our perspective it's nice to see how much support they're actually getting as well you know for for what is going on i'm totally in agreement with you there jordan um what about yourself and for baller of the week well well baller of the week was actually alexander alexander Sinchenko and um so i've i've I'm gonna to have to think of one there because that was mine, Jordan. So thanks very much. Um, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. It's, it's 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 always the pressure of going first, isn't it? Like, I'm gonna go for because <laughs> as much as it's been, you know, really like kind of vilified about what happened, what's happened recently at Sunderland. Um, you know, obviously should have should have sat Lee Johnson. It's, this is a podcast in itself because me and Gary have very different views about it. But I'm going to go for Ross Stewart for Sunderland because the, the guy scored 23 goals this season in a team that hasn't played well the majority of the season, even though we've been up and up and thereabouts. We've not really played that well. The lad looks, you know, a level above. Looks as if he could probably play in the Premier League, to be honest. You know, and I'm not the guy. I don't think I'm blowing smoke because I think he's actually that good. So I'll go for 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 the Loch Ness Drogba this week. I think for uh, for ball of the week. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely um hit the heights. I mean, a lot of people said he wouldn't even get over 15 goals, 20 goals, and he's just absolutely exceeded that. Um, so totally, totally in agreement again with that one. That's a, that's a good shout. What about yourself, George? Who would be your baller of the week? Um, well, I, I'm a Chelsea fan, so I've had something of a, a an interesting weekend. And so, out of out of respect to um, Liverpool's strong showing in the um, in the League Cup final, I'm going to say uh, Kevin Keller. Keller, I thought for 23 years old to be trusted in the in the League Cup final, I thought he was brilliant throughout, completely commanding, and then. He, he, I, I, he obviously didn't save any of the penalties, but he got pretty close, did a good job, and then absolutely hammered home his penalty to win it. I was just so impressed with him. Um, I'm sure he's got a long career ahead of him, whether it's at um, Liverpool or elsewhere. I'm sure he'll probably be a Premier League goalkeeper for quite some time now. No, I agree with that. I mean, it's nice to have that choice, well, Klopp to have that choice to have two keepers who we can trust because there's always that doubt in the back of your head can you really trust your reserve keeper if you yeah. you know your main yeah. keeper was to be out for a prolonged period of time and Kelleher you know he's, he was linked with a loan move to, to Sunderland a, a while ago um, would have been brilliant to have seen him come to, come to us on loan um, it's nice to see the way his career is going so that again great shout absolutely great shout I mean all of you guys' shouts is brilliant. Um, and kind of, I, I was thinking Kelleher myself, but I, I'm going to have to go with Middlesbrough. They did another giant killing. Um, they knocked out Spurs. And now, ironically, George, they're going to have uh, Chelsea in the next round. Um, Absolutely. Will, will it be another giant killing? <laughs> Who knows? But I've, you know, Let's not forget, Gary, just to quickly, they knocked out Manchester United as well. They're on, they're on a hell of a run. They are. They are, definitely. I mean, and you know what? Chris Wilder, I was going to say Chris Tanner there. <laughs> Chris Wilder has done a great job at Berra. <laughs> um, and I, I like the little project he's got going on. Um, so, fair play to Berra. Congratulations. Chelsea going to be a difficult game but you know they've beat Man United and they've beat Spurs 
they, they could do it again. Who who knows? Who knows? But Jordan, we'll come back to you for your ball ache of the week. Right, ball ache for me. Uh, sorry to do this, George. It's going to be Kepa. Um, to be honest, I, I didn't really have much feeling towards either Chelsea or Liverpool for the final. I, I was well impressed with the game. Absolutely phenomenal. Penalties, brilliant, great entertainment. And when Kepa came on, a little thing came in the back of my mind and it was the final a couple of years ago, almost to the day, where Kepa just made an absolute mug out of his manager, uh, Maurizio Sarri, where he refused to come off for the penalties, you know. And bear in mind, the person he was bringing on was Willy Caballero. So Caballero used to play for Manchester City. He's also notoriously a good penalty, um, you know, pe- uh, keeper in the penalty uh, situations. I just thought, you're, you're coming across as very petulant. So when I saw him come on and I saw him step up, I thought, you know what, I wouldn't mind if he missed this again. Sorry, George. Um, but I just thought, yeah, this would be quite poetic just as to the, uh, if he skies it and, you know, costs it just after his, uh, his, his tantrum uh, a couple of years ago. So, yeah, I was, uh, I said, go on, sky it. And sure enough, he's put it in the third tier of Wembley. So, uh but yeah, uh, I'll I'll say Ball Lake is uh, definitely Kepa Arisabalaga. Fair enough. I saw actually quite a good meme um, of that as well on Instagram. It was like literally a shooting star in the sky, and the quote was "Luxon, it's Kepa's uh, uh, penalty." <laughs> I thought it was quite funny, um, but uh, that wasn't the greatest penalty. It was something that you would <laughs> when you hold down um, circle on FIFA. That's what happens. It goes flying you know? up. Um, but nah, fair enough. I mean, and what about yourself? Again, it was going to be Kepa. <laughs> um, but the one thing about it, great minds, and great minds. It's all right, no, don't worry, Jordan. You're a guest. It's fine. <laughs> um, I mean, to be fair, I think the ball's still in the air now, but um, you know, it's orbiting the earth. I think, but honestly, like, I just don't understand. I don't understand that whole like kind of aspect of thinking behind Tuchel and with. With Mendy, I understand if Mendy was having a bit of a mare and and it was five five or whatever. But Mendy was like kind of the best player on the pitch. You know, he'd made so many good saves. He made like a Monty esque save in the first half. He made several saves in the second half. And and surely there, and he's you know in confidence. And I, I Kepa might be a better penalty saver than than Mendy, but Mendy's confidence must have been sky high and then you're bringing a keeper on call to me. For me it's never worked. Yeah, I, I can only remember Tim Krill um a few years ago for Holland and um he came on, didn't he? And he he, he saved a couple of penalties, but um anyway <laughs> it just it shouldn't it should be erased. The rules should not be allowed. You're not allowed to do it. <laughs> but my ball ache of the week is gonna be the much maligned Steve Bruce. Um, oh, poor Steve got sacked at Newcastle, obviously, after what happened with the takeover and everything like that. I hadn't won a game all season. Has now taken West Brom from fifth in the table to when he took over to 13th in the space of, like, six games or something. <laughs> it's like, if, if anything could possibly go wrong, it has gone wrong for Steve Brisbane. On his first game, Livermore got sent, uh, got sent off and he's probably West Brom's best player. 
Um, I watched them the other night against Swansea and they were pathetic. Um, but Steve Bruce is doing the whole thing of now of blaming other people. He's blaming the players. I think he's already had a go at the fans, so it can only end one way for him, I think, I'm afraid. But it would be quite funny if he could go the whole season without winning the game, wouldn't it? <laughs> so um, just for that reason alone, I think Steve Bruce wins it for me this, this week. Would be a full calendar year of not winning a game. Um, I'm not going to lie, I haven't followed much of West Brom, so I can't really say much on it. But yeah, I know he hasn't had the, the greatest of times there. Fair enough. Uh, what about yourself there, George? Who would be your ball ache? I mean, yeah, the first port of call was probably Kepa. But um, past that, I'd potentially say um, Victor Alter and the Leeds board for sacking Marcelo Bielsa. Because I just, I, I know they haven't played their best football of late, but I don't get that as a decision at all. When you have someone of his calibre at the club and they've had the injuries they've had, mm. uh, it just did, didn't make sense. Um, and I think they might really struggle under Jesse Marsh. Uh, I follow, follow quite a lot of German football and watched a lot of his Leipzig side early this season. And um, he's not hes not necessarily a bad coach, but he came from Salzburg, where you're, you're parachuted in to a team that's already won the league. All you have to do is continue playing with the best players in the league to win the league. And he did that relatively effectively, but he couldn't organise a defence in Salzburg. He couldn't organise a defence in Leipzig. I doubt he'll be able to in Leeds. And um, that is the problem they've had of late. Whereas all the all the players, I mean, I don't know if you saw Calvin Phillips's message to Bielsa leaving, saying, you made me a better player than I ever thought I could be. Um, and that's what Marcelo Bielsa's like. And past that, he's obviously now an icon in the city of Leeds. He um, completely reinvigorated support and love for that football club um, after... 15, 20 years of complete disarray. Mm. And so I think that was a really poor decision from the board there. It's and, very bad um, timing, isn't it? Like, it, there's not many games left in the, in the Premier League and they might be thinking it might be this new manager bounce to get them up there, but they're, they're going to have to change their ways so much of what, from what Bielsa's has had to, 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 to Marsh coming in. It's, for me, I think they'll go down now. Um, I would have kept it till the end of the season. I would have said, given, given the end of the season... If 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 they go down, fair enough, you know what I mean. But it's not as if they were getting big, you know, five six nils off off the likes of like Newcastle and I mean, no disrespect, Newcastle, Newcastle or Norwich and like, you know, there was Tottenham, Liverpool, you know, good sides. I know Tottenham have struggled lately, but you know, Tottenham still on their day can you know do this to teams. So I thought it was a bit of an unfair sign, and I think it's been coming. I think the writing's been on the wall, but it just shows how brutal football can be. I think. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, George. Yeah, I was just going to say, I think, yeah, um, obviously, the results haven't been good, but with no Calvin Phillips, no Patrick Bamford, Liam Cooper's been out, it's, it was never going to be perfect when you're missing such key players. And I think the board should have the foresight to see that. Um, but yeah, just um, an odd decision just, for me. Just a quick one on that, Anne. What you mentioned about, um, you know, maybe keeping Bielsa on to the end of the season. I, I, I think it was talked about earlier on, I did hear. That um, apparently Jesse March did try and persuade the board to keep Bielsa on to the end of the season. Mm, yeah, I've heard which that. Yeah, I, th- I thought fair play to the bloke because that's you know if Bielsa was going to leave anyway, it sounds as though the fact that the the, the appointment's been made and that it's just turned around so quick in what three days I think from Bielsa getting sacked or leaving to Jesse March being um, you know installed as coach. 
you think that's that's been a discussion where Bielsa's contract was up soon anyway, so they think, right, try and get a replacement in if we sack him beforehand. So that almost sounds like they've been in discussions for a few weeks at least, and then Jesse Marcher said, let him see out the season. Yeah. Because uh, as 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 you guys said, he is an absolute icon at Leeds United. My um, one of the managers at my workplace, he is a Leeds United fan. I spoke to him about it. He says he is devastated about um, Bielsa, and there's a lot of uh, he doesn't know a single person who is glad of the news. Um, not Jesse Marsh come now. I mean Bielsa been you know relieved of his duties. So I, I honestly think that that's that. I would agree with George. I think they've jumped the gun on that. I think it's a, a poor decision, but time will tell. It may be the thing that keeps them up. No, I mean, we spoke in our like chat, me and Ant, and we just said Bielsa's most likely going to get sacked. Um, I don't think there was any kind of negativity towards the like the way Leeds were, you know, play, were playing. I just think there was a lot of hesitance around his tactics. They were afraid to change tactics, and I think maybe... That would is probably what cost him his job. I think he would have kept Leeds up. I think they were going in a downwards trajectory, but I think there's worse teams than Leeds. Um, but you know, Bielsa is an icon, one hundred percent correct. I don't think they would be in the Premier League without Bielsa. Um, he did rejuvenate a team. He created players like Calvin Phillips, who went to the Euros as one of our best players. Um, and you know, he he can walk away from Leeds knowing he did that. And you know power to him and all the best to Bielsa um, we'll, we'll see what Jesse Marsh can do at Leeds now um, but I'll, I'll move on finally to to my ball ache and it's a pretty straightforward one, it's going to be Rodri for playing basketball in the box um, how how VAR did not give a penalty for that was insane he, he moved his arm to control the ball so it's, it's, that's not his fault then is it <laughs> you know what I mean like if, I was going to say, I think that the VAR referee should be the one you yeah. call with the uh, the ball ache of the week. Well, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, both all. Um, well, no. To be fair, I think I think Rodri deserves baller of the week because he's been getting away with it. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose. I suppose. I mean, uh, we'll leave it at that. I mean, uh, and as always, thank you for for joining us again. As always, um, Jordan. Nice to have you back on the podcast as well. And George, do really appreciate you coming on today as well. Obviously, discuss the story of Durham City and Zenith Ownership. Um, you can check out everything that uh, George is doing over on the Palatinat website. Um, you've got Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, all the social platforms where you can check out everything as well. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Sports Social Podcast Network. 
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.